I'm Justin Harmon, and this episode of Let's Talk Jackson is sponsored by Mississippi Federal Credit Union. For Let's Talk Jackson, I'm Todd Stauffer. My guest in this episode is Betsy Bradley. She's the director of the Mississippi Museum of Art. Originally from Greenville, Mississippi, Betsy got her bachelor's degree in English from Millsaps College in Jackson and a master's degree, also in English, from Vanderbilt University. After returning to Jackson to teach at Millsaps, she spent 10 years at the Mississippi Arts Commission, serving as its executive director for six of those years. She became the director of the Mississippi Museum of Art in 2001. Since then, she's helped the museum to grow considerably, overseeing two capital campaigns, raising over $20 million, managing the move of the museum to its current home on Lamar Street, and has led the charge in creating a highly recognized regional art complex, both indoor and out, in downtown Jackson. This was actually the second time we recorded this interview. The first time was right before the coronavirus pandemic hit, and things changed so rapidly that we decided to pull that episode. This time we spoke about the new exhibition featuring Van Gogh, Monet, and Degas, as well as the protocols for visiting the museum and some plans for outdoor events and exhibitions this fall. Here's my discussion with Betsy. So thank you for coming in. It's good to be here. It's the uh, second time you've been here in a year. Yes. (laughs) Except that nobody heard the first time because we had a little interruption. So let's walk back for just a second and talk about what the museum had to do when COVID hit and then kind of where you are now in terms of allowing the public back in. Sure. We shut down on March 16th and we're installing an exhibition that was to open on April 3rd. But of course, we could not open it. So it was installed and sat there without anyone to see it. Um, And we reopened on July 8th. But in that interim period, we obviously had a lot of adaptation to do. We had to put in a lot of hand sanitizing stations. We put in kind of maps on the floor about where people could safely be and socially distance. We had new procedures and protocols. We, for the first time, are selling timed tickets online so that we don't have too many people in the museum at one time. So there were technological updates we had to do, facility improvements, and then, you know, getting all the materials together so that the experience itself could be safe and also be joyful, you know, not kind of a laborious thing. We have been really pleased with the reception since we reopened. So what are things like right now in terms of hours and, you know, if somebody's listening just said, okay, yes, I'm ready to go back to the art museum. So the exhibition, I should say, is Van Gogh, Monet, Degas. These are 74 artworks that were owned by Paul and Bunny Mellon. Um, So they're works that they lived with in their residences. The exhibition is open um, every day except Monday. There's an hour for seniors from 10 to 11 on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then our regular hours until 7 p.m. those days and from uh, 11 to 5 on Saturday and Sundays 12 to 5. Um, You can go online to www.msmuseumart.org and buy a ticket, make a reservation, or you can call 601-960-1515 and somebody will will take your reservation then and you just show up you have to wear a mask and you check in and um, you'll 
be given instructions about how to proceed in a way that's um, at your own leisure and at your own pace, but staying six feet apart from people you don't live with. So with that exhibition, what are what are people going to see? I know we, of course, we talked about it six months ago, but let's let's go back to it. You know, it's just an incredibly beautiful exhibition. So the scale of the work is mostly work you would live with in your house. So, you know, three to four feet by two to four feet. You will see works by every major French artist from the late 18th century um, into the early 20th century. So... There are three paintings by Van Gogh. Um, there are beautiful Degas paintings. There's one of the few um, ballerina sculptures of the little dancer aged 14 years. There's some of his small equestrian work study sculptures. There's Pissarro. There's a Picasso that's pretty large, actually, Rousseau. Matisse, um, really just the the big names of French painting. And I think, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot that this seems so not controversial and so in a way kind of tame. You know, it's just it's just beautiful. It doesn't challenge you in any in any essential ways, like some of our exhibitions have. But at the time you know, when the when these mostly men, there is one woman artist, Bert Marceau, um, they were really being courageous because the only way you can make a living as an artist in 19th century France was to show at the Salon, and they didn't do that. They staged their own exhibitions. There were signs outside of the Impressionist exhibitions warning pregnant women that they may be so shocked they would go into labor early. <laughs> um, so it was controversial at the time. Mm. It was shocking at the time. And yet now it really is providing people uh, with these, this kind of refuge from all the stuff going on in the world right now. Um, I've seen people in tears in there because it just takes them to a place spiritually and aesthetically that the noise of the world is not allowing right now. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, and just to kind of, I mean, anytime I'm in in the museum and, and have a little while, I just find that you get sort of back to your own creativity. I mean, just seeing yeah. other people create and think, I mean, there is no way you know, that I'm ever going to be a painter. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, but me there, either. <laughs> yeah, there are other things I do, I write, or, you know. And so it's like that, just feeling the spirit of people who created and, and sacrificed, usually, yeah. you know, to make that happen, if they, if they met with some success. How is it arranged? Is it, is, it, is it chronological? Is it, you know, by different schools? Or how does that work? It's actually thematically arranged, which is kind of nice. And we've tried to present it with, you know, molding and things, patterns on the floor so you feel like you're in someone's home. But it's you start off seeing images of horses because that was one of Paul Mellon's real passions. He he owned a horse named Sea Hero who won the Kentucky Derby and he did a lot of racing. Um, And then you move into scenes of Paris and water scenes and then the countryside and there's a section on flowers and you end kind of with interiors and um, private 
intimate spaces, still lifes and things like that. So it's, it's not heavy, heavy on the art history. Mm-hmm. It's really more about these, these catalysts for pleasure that we all have, you know, being outdoors, being near water, um, being in the comfort of your own home. Was there anything that, that changed about the presentation of the exhibition because of the pandemic or because of the time you had? Uh, not really, except that we have tape on the floors. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it's kind of subtle. It doesn't, there's no yelling at you about six feet apart, but there are little six-foot blocks taped on the floor. So, no, it was it was already kind of in a installed in a way that was fairly safe and far apart and all that spacious so the uh, you need to reserve to go see that and is there a ticket yes there's a ticket it's 15 dollars for adults 13 for seniors students are free on tuesdays and thursdays you know we do have walk-up traffic and we're usually able to accommodate them but if you're you know, if you're going to go to the trouble to make a drive from an hour away or something, it's smart to call. So in this, in the same context, how does the permanent collection work in, in seeing that? The permanent collection is free, and it is, again, we have adapted it to be socially distanced. We have taken out all of the touch places, and so we had a lot of engagement spaces where people could respond to the art by being creative, but we've had to take those out. Um, but still, it's a, it's, it's a very powerful exhibition inspired by a Margaret Walker poem called This Is My Century, and it is, it is up and ready for people and always free. So I imagine things have had to move slowly, but um, what, do you, you know, what kind of outreach are you doing at this point? What other programs are you able to put back into place or, or new stuff? Yeah, you know, one of the things that's really sad is not seeing um, a lot of school groups mm-hmm. in the museum because this is such a perfect exhibition for them to see their first real Van Gogh, you know. Um, and so we are working with the Jackson Public Schools on some of their distance learning to get some of this um, work into the curriculum. We're doing virtual programming. We've got our preschool program, Look and Learn with Hoot, is um, digital. We've done Music in the City, beautiful, beautiful um, concerts of musicians playing in front of the artwork, which wouldn't have been able to happen um, with a real audience. So that's kind of nice. And, you know, others, Art and Coffee is still happening on the first Saturday morning of every month, after hours. And then just some other series like Makers in Their Spaces, where we have taken people into artist studios and had conversations with artists. Um, So all of that can be found on our website. Or if you follow us on social media, you'll get alerts about all those programs. Mississippi Federal Credit Union is a sponsor of Let's Talk Jackson, and I'm here with Justin Harmon from Mississippi Federal. So 
when you are a member of a credit union, there are all these benefits, obviously, that, that kind of come to you. Sure. But you're also kind of a member of a nonprofit. How does that work? So when you become a member of the credit union itself, one of our core principles is being involved in the community. So when you do deposit your money and have an account with us, we're able to take those funds and actually help the community around us. And so that could be anything from doing a cleanup day, helping Ronald McDonald House, helping Blairy Batson Hospital for Children, doing things in our local community to support them and help them grow. And then your branch is on campus at UMMC. That's right. But then they can also do branching all over the country at credit unions, right? They can, actually. There's over 5,500 branches that they could do business in, just like they're doing business with us. Okay. So really no drawback, and then you kind of have this opportunity to, to help the community. Absolutely. All right. Mississippi Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of Let's Talk Jackson. Let's get back to the show. One of those is sort of an aside, but the one of the things that seems to have come out of this time is a lot of people have to produce a lot of video. Yeah. <laughs> and I would think as your visual medium entity, that was, you know, you, I'm sure you were doing some prior to this, but how yeah. did you, are you working with, uh, you know, people partnered up or have you had to build that capacity or both or how's that work? Both. And I, I will say, you know, we weren't quite as nimble as I had had hoped we would be. But one of the uh, benefits to this time is, you know, with the CARES Act, there was some grant money made available through federal agencies. So we actually got a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities to help us build up that digital capacity. And so we're working on an entire digital strategy at the same time that we're trying to produce, you know, in as rough a way as we can right now. But it's, it's, Exciting to think about, you know, not just building up our capacity, but what programming will look like post-COVID. You know, will we really need to be constrained by lecturers who fly in at a certain time from far away? And, you know, why not do lectures virtually, you know, whereas... It is a little bit harder because one of the things we've been really working hard on is kind of intimate conversations Mm. in front of artworks. And so figuring out how to do that digitally is um, interesting. So we're we're looking at a company that that really can get into the magnification of um, small pieces of artwork so you can feel like you're really looking very closely Mm. at it. So those kinds of... um, opportunities that will live past this moment, I think are really interesting. No, I agree. Yeah. And that'll be neat just to see, partly because people are going to be able to, to deal with it. I mean, you know, you just kind of say, okay, well, okay, you're going to do it virtually. Great. We're used to that now. So, right. And you get access to some fantastic speaker or some, you know, somebody who just and you don't have to fly them down and put them up and <laughs> give them dinner and meet them at and the airport. Around and work around a know. particular day and time, right. you yeah. know. It will live forever, yeah. and um, we can build up a library of these programs. Right, and then it's on demand. For yep. those. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, another uh, angle here is you were talking about doing some programming outside. Yes, yes. So we're really excited about that. We're, we've got a film series of films about the artist in the French exhibition that will start up in September. We're also, at the end of September, um, installing a major um, artist installation by an artist named Leonardo Drew, African-American artist from Brooklyn. 
I saw this installation at Madison Square Park in New York, and we we're able to bring it here. It's called City in the Grass, and it's it's huge. It's, I can't remember, 30 feet by 50 feet or something like that that we'll put in the art garden. It um, He used sand and little pieces of metal and wood to make this um, what looks like a Persian carpet that's got kind of rolls in it. People can actually sit on it and be in this um, installation. And then there are three points at which there are constructions that look a little bit like, you know, Statue of Liberty kinds of or Empire State Buildings um, made out of little blocks of wood that go up at three points. And he says it's a combination of a city and a flying carpet ride. I'm really excited about the opportunity to talk about urban life post-COVID. You know, what's the density of urban life going to be? We're, we're seeing 450 people leave New York every day. What are our relationships with people going to be like if we don't, if it takes us a long time to feel safe being physically close to each other? Um, you know, so I, I think it's a real opportunity for us to have some playtime outside with work by a brilliant artist, um, to to touch art, to physically engage, to be with other people in safe ways because it is outside, but also to engage in some meaningful conversation about what this moment means and what is what civic life going to be like after this. So the what's the schedule on that? When does that start? It opens on September 26th, and it will be up through February. Mm-hmm. Um, the artist says that one of one of the things he wants to happen is for it to kind of decay on its own. Mm-hmm. And so it living outside during the snow is just kind of part of it if we have any mm-hmm. snow. But they had snow in New York when it was up. So so it's going to be interesting to see how it changes through the seasons too. And then the films, are those on certain nights? I mean, how does that work, the... <laughs> you give me that look. Yeah, it's on the website. <laughs> yeah, they are on certain nights. Um, I, I really don't remember. But they are being organized with um, Ward Emling is our consultant for that, former film commissioner. And, um, yes, please look on the website. That sounds like a really good opportunity. And, the, yeah. um, you know, I know that this probably isn't all possible, but how much of having some of the wonderful, you know, evening events in the art garden are we going to get back to? Is it, is it much of that going to happen this year? Or Yeah, we're, we're trying. I mean, we're not doing any public programming inside. We're just not doing it through December. And so all of it will be outside. And we have been out there with six-foot circles kind of plotting off places for people to sit and gather. And so, yes, there'll be films. There'll be art after hours. Um, there'll be programs associated with this outdoor exhibition. Um, so we want people to use that space. It's a beautiful space. And, you know, I think people, I, I know in my family, we miss good, long conversations with other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we'll be able to figure out a way to do that outside um, in the context of some really important art. So I hope people will come join us. So I don't know if we said the dates for the Masters Exposition. When is that? Yeah, Van Gogh, Monet, Degas, and their times opened on July 8th, and it's we were able to extend it until January 10th. 
Okay. So this is the time to get there. Um, memberships. How do people become a member of the museum? Thank you for asking that. <laughs> uh, members are always admitted free to all exhibitions. You can buy a membership when you reserve your ticket or when you walk up or online on our website. And then what, you know, just to sort of put a pin in it, what, what do you want to say to folks in terms of what the museum's trying to do as we come back and, you know, how they can be a part of it? No, we're really trying to to be a place where it is safe to be, but that also we can we can realize what this moment in our country is about and that that it's not just a moment, but that there's a lot of change happening. There's irreversible change happening in our country in terms of race relations and racial equity and inclusion. And, you know, Mississippi has a lot to teach the world about this, but also a lot to learn. And um, so we are engaging with artists who are working on these issues, who have experienced issues of exclusion or inequity, and and coming to some kinds of moments of reckoning, but also healing by being in conversation with those artists and and learning from from the ability to uh, and and not to make light of it because it's not easy at all, but to to deal with trauma in a way that that ultimately result results in creativity and joy and resilience. Um, and we've got a new chief curator, Ryan Dennis, who worked with Rick Lowe at Project Row Houses in Houston for. 10 years, um, kind of the preeminent creative placemaking work in this country. And she's working on some major exhibitions um, that will be rolling out in the next couple of years that that really position Mississippi to, to be a major player in this conversation about race and equity. And so we're looking forward to to contributing to that conversation and to to making a difference. So the website is www.msmuseum.org. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. And I'm going to encourage you to go there because there is so much more now happening digitally that it's important to plug in there and and that's how you get your ticket. That's right. That's right. Betsy Bradley, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you, Todd. I'd like to thank Betsy Bradley for joining me on the podcast this episode. In the show notes, you can find a link to the Museum of Art. You can also find more information on this and other episodes of Let's Talk Jackson at letstalkjackson.com, as well as on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Let's Talk Jackson is powered by the Jackson Free Press and sponsored by Mississippi Federal Credit Union. This episode was edited by Courtney Moncure. Our executive producers are Donna Ladd and Bo York. For Let's Talk Jackson, I'm Todd Stauffer.